So once you get this job, everything will be okay. Yeah. Once you end up getting married, everything will be okay. Once you have once you find the one, the one, you know, okay. once you have a kid, everything will be okay. And nothing is ever okay, and you never get to that place. Okay. Nothing is. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> Hello and welcome, fellow human. My name is Zachary Stockhill, and you are listening to Humans in Love, a podcast that looks at culture, relationships, and personal development from unconventional perspectives. Join me as I dig into the question of how people like you and I might get more out of life and love. Thanks for being here. Hello again, friends. Wow, it's been a long, it's been a long time. I guess the last podcast came out at the end of February. We're currently in early May, so I apologize for the long duration uh, between episodes. In my defense, uh, in case you're not subscribed to my email newsletter, I've been doing a great deal of travel recently, been bouncing around Asia uh, and beyond quite a bit. And I've also been putting the finishing touches on a new project I'm really excited to share Later this month, it's called the Overcoming Jealousy Workbook, my new journal slash workbook I put together for jealousy sufferers. Very excited to share that with you. It's been taking up a lot of my time over the past month or so, trying to get the design right and trying to get the questions right and trying to get everything formatted well. So that's been taking up a lot of my time as well. But the good news is I will have something to show for it. So that sounds interesting to you if you might want to give my new book a look. Please go to humansinlove.com, sign up for my mailing list, and uh, yeah, when the time comes, I will tell you all about it. But before then, uh, I'm very excited to share today's episode with you with my friend, Sam Lawrence. Sam and I have become friendly over the past few months while he's been spending a lot of time here in Chiang Mai, Thailand. Got to know him pretty well and his lovely family. And uh, yeah, shortly after I met Sam, I thought that he would make a very good guest for this podcast. He's a podcaster himself. He hosted a wonderful podcast called Grow Big Always, which is currently on hiatus, but I strongly encourage you to go check it out. It's a very good podcast with a lot of really good interviews. He's a tech entrepreneur, a consultant, does a whole bunch of really interesting things. But more interesting to me than his profession is just his outlook on life, the way he makes decisions, the way he structures his life and relationship his very unorthodox, interesting approach to parenting. Um, He's a very interesting cat, and uh, I I think you're going to really enjoy today's episode. We gathered at my kitchen table here in Chiang Mai just last week, and we really covered a lot of ground. I get into how and why Sam has made some of the major life changes that he's made over the past year, his very interesting and unorthodox approach to marriage and long-term relationships, We talk about how to deal with long distance, uh, how to approach jealousy and possessiveness in our relationships. We really cover a lot of ground, and I think you're really going to enjoy hanging out with Sam in this episode, uh, and the next part of this episode, part two, I will bring you next week. Before we get into it, I'll remind you that ratings and reviews are really important for any podcast to get off the ground, including this one. So please, if you dig the show, go on iTunes, go on your podcast app of choice, and leave a rating and a review. And for a thousand bonus points, why not share this episode with a friend if you enjoyed it? Okay, so I think that's all the housekeeping I have for you. Without any further ado, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Mr. Sam Lawrence. 
Welcome to my kitchen. Welcome to my podcast. I'm excited to be in your kitchen and, and inside your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you are inside my podcast. That sounds kind of dirty. I don't, I don't know why. <laughs> no. wow. Everybody interprets things differently. Yeah. <laughs> Get your mind out of the gutter, Zach. Um, well, just to, just to jump into it, I mean, we've, we've talked about this a little bit before, but I'm really curious how you came to be traveling and like living this kind of nomadic, semi-nomadic lifestyle. Um, giving up whatever you gave up back in the States, like, and go back as far as you want. Like, I'm really curious, like how, how did you get here as the talking heads say? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I, I spent, I'm 49 years old and I spent, um, most of my life chasing, um, I think what a lot of people in the States anyway, I can't speak for every place, but a lot of people chase, which is, um, ticking off. Um, the possessions that they need to be happy and the um, you know money and relationships and different things to just kind of check themselves off I'm just going to unplug my fridge continue oh okay <laughs> <laughs> and um, <laughs> well we'll all listen to the milk spoil we're good <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you know and I found myself you know, you know having kids and going through education systems and going through work systems and going through relationship relationship systems and going through every system on the other side of it incredibly um, dissatisfied um, and I think conforming to all of those things left me feeling very 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 frustrated and empty on the inside you know conforming and to what like just every other person's system because all the systems that we're born into are systems other people prescribe and you just kind of go this is what work looks like this is what relationships look like this is what raising a family looks like this is what making you know just everything looks like and so we're all just following those things and I had spent most of my life doing that and and I had some success with it too I mean um by measured, you know, measured like, okay, I had, you know, worked in tech and I had some good success in tech. And so that gave me some flexibility. Um, but it didn't really matter. That part didn't matter in the end. Um, what I specifically guess, were you doing in tech? I, I worked in um, startups and I would do, I start out in the marketing side and then I would go to, um, and then I ended up, um, running some startups and there was a good exit, um, when I'm, a couple times for me in that um and so of course in maslow's hierarchy of needs i wasn't struggling uh, by any stretch of the imagination and i also had some flexibility there which is great so i can't really complain too much about a lot of the basics um, not being in place and frustrating my life but um everyone's normal is their normal and my normal was okay i'm doing all of this stuff but i feel like my soul is sucked out so i started watching my own behavior over the years and watching my own frustration and kind of weird behavior in my soul biting me at the ankles and saying, um, you are unhappy. And, um, were you like acting out in any way? Um, yeah, I mean, I would say like, I just was very, very, um, I was just, I was depressed when I look back on it, but I think in the moment I felt really, um, I was just always, reclusive and sad-ish and not feeling like I was joining I wanted to join anything um and not really wanting to participate and not and just always feeling like I was stuck in in these routines and just a stuck feeling like a trapped feeling so this year um kind of fast forwarding to your question and then we can go back and talk about whatever you want if you want um I I 
my so I'm on my second marriage and we had a kid and I found myself getting really freaked out again because um, I have a 20 year old and 18 year old and now a four year old and having a kid again is starting all over I I started you know I naturally was at a place where I wanted to kind of get out into the world and move around but then here I am with starting a family again and so I went and told my wife like I I can't I can't do it the same way again I I have to get out of this of, of all of these systems and just start moving around and so she was very 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 open to that and we started talking about it and so we decided that this year we would leave the United States try to liquidate as much stuff as we had um, as fast as we could um, and just go for it uh, and just start moving around and trying to learn as much as we could about other places and other people and other ways of life and and try to get into like not owning things and not possessing things and not um and not being um sedentary and had you done a ton of well for anyone listening we're we're in thailand yes (laughs) i'm I'm recording this at home in chiang mai had you done much travel before you sort of made this leap i would say i did tourism travel so i did uh, i i had have done a lot of travel but more like insulated travel less of the slow travel yes and insulated travel i mean like you go get a really nice hotel room and then you're in a hotel or even into a nice Airbnb, it doesn't matter either way. And then you're going to a nice restaurant and then you're going to whatever, you know, it says best of on Google and um, then you leave. Uh, so, yeah, sure. I mean, I moved around a little bit, but I I hadn't let go of anything in, in, in that traveling. I was still holding on to my own perceptions and my possessions and my, um, my life. So when you... Like, I'm really interested in this decision and everything that went into it. Like, when you, because you're not, it's not like you've, like, totally left the United States. Like, you have a property there and you go back and stuff. But it seems to me there was, like, a conscious decision. Like, I need to do things differently. I want to spend more of my life on the road in weird places like Chiang Mai and Bali and stuff. Was that, what was that decision-making process like? Like, did a lot of anxiety come up? Were you concerned about maybe what other people thought or whatever like what was that decision making process like for you well I guess I look at decisions like we know we want something and then we look for a lot of facts to support what it is that we want um and um it's not as logical as we think it's actually really emotional um and so the process for me you know it was this kind of slow buildup of anxiety and depression and frustration of feeling trapped and um, because I had two boys that were leaving the house I had them both into college I finally kind of had a little bit of um, that that became in a way the empty nesting kick in the ass to go do something but it also fed into me just because I was having another family again I had to make some pretty hard decisions because it wasn't just deciding for myself it wasn't like my kids left for college and I was divorced and I could just run around and do whatever I wanted it was wait a minute like I get I'm basically starting again what is it I want this time Mm. and what and deciding that what what does education look like and what do I think of the education system because I now have to raise a kid again 
Um, and we've decided to, to not send our kid to school at all and not do actually homeschooling at all. We're doing unschooling, which we can talk about. But, um, and same thing with relationships. What relationship do I want this time? You know, how not traditional do I want it? What do I want to borrow? It's almost like I think Volterra has a quote about we, I don't, I'm going to mess it up because I'm not an expert, but it's something about um, we tend our, um, we tend our own garden or something about um, the fact that you get to decide what goes from your old garden into your new garden. And that's what um, I was kind of doing. I was weeding in that decision-making process. What do I want? What do I not want? And then I decided what I wanted, and then I had to have the courage to ask for it um, from everybody, actually, from friends, from my parents, which, uh, my dad I'm super, super, super close with. We talk all the time. My kid, my sons were super close, you know, like, hey, I'm not going to be here. And I haven't been back to the United States all year in 2019. Um, and plan to go back very, very little. Um, my my wife, obviously, like, hey, what do you think of all of these things? And um, and so, yeah, I had to have the courage to ask for it and basically say, here's all the super. Here are the things I don't want to do the same way again, and here's the stuff I do want to. I, I want to. I want to change, or here's stuff I want to bring over. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's about a million avenues we could go down right now. I'm just like, I'm I'm a curious guy, as you know, and there's a lot I want to ask you. I'm just trying to think of where to where to start. But one thing that I'm I'm really curious about, um, and get as personal or not as you want, but you know something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. I'm 31, as you know. Um, I've never been married, and I'm always really interested to talk to married people about how and why they made that decision. Because I think a lot of people, you tell me what you think of this. I think a lot of people, because I, you know, I'm at the age now where a lot of my peers are getting married, um, going to a lot of weddings and stuff. And it seems to me a lot of people, I, I think, don't take that decision as seriously as they should. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't, they aren't, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm very romantic in a lot of ways, but I'm also, I think I'm also definitely have a rational side where, you know, I can't imagine a more momentous life decision than who you want to spend the rest of your life with, you know? Um, and so I'm always really curious, probably purely for selfish reasons at this point, like how, how do people I respect make that decision? So yeah, again, get as personal not as you want, but I'm really curious about how you made that decision the first and the second time, if there's any differences there or yeah, just how you, how you, how do you think about that? You know, that, that kind of huge life altering decision. Yeah, well, that's a big question, and I would say that I'd answer it first, even beyond relationships, and then maybe in my own relationships. So beyond relationships, I think our culture, and speaking again, our culture being westernized North American culture, um, but I know that it's, this exists in other places too, has a, I'll call it ever after mentality. So the ever after mentality is not just happily ever after in relationships, but it's also kind of the once you get this, everything's okay. Yes, I couldn't agree more. Right, so once you get this job, everything will be okay. Yeah. Once you end up getting married, everything will be okay. Once you have... Once you find the one. The one. Everything you know, will be okay. Once you have a kid, everything will be okay. Um, and nothing is ever okay, and you never get to that place. Nothing is. <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert. There's no place you go. It never ends. Right. You know, traveling around this year has been not okay it's been great and but there's no there's no place you stand in life where where you're at Shangri-La I'm done yeah hey cool I made it you know um so okay so so to me that's the first thing is that you you um 
there is no such ever after place. And that's the problem with when we make decisions. A lot of times we're informed by our decisions by a cultural um, operating system that tells us that you can make the, you do get there through Hollywood. Like you do fall in love and everything's okay. And so if you look for the one, then this is the thing to look for. So the first time I got married, I mean, jeez, I, I was a, I was very young. Um, I, well, I moved in with my first wife when I was 19. Wow. Yeah, and then I think I got married um, sometime after that in my early 20, 20s. Um, yeah, 20, let's see, it'd be like uh, mid-20s. And um, I got married because I wanted to prove that I was an adult. Um, that's my retrospective mm-hmm. perspective. Of course, that's not what I thought at the time. At the time, I thought like, hey, you know, this is the one because she's everything I'm not. Mm-hmm. Um, she's she's caring. I know this sounds like I'm an asshole, but she's caring. <laughs> she's compassionate. She's gentle. She's laid back. She's all these things that I really wasn't. Extrovert? Um, she was more extroverted than me. Yeah, I'm an introvert. We've talked about that. And in a way, it was kind of like the crutch to my other crutch so that I could walk. And um, the thing about crutches is is that eventually you don't need them anymore. Um, that sounds harsh, but I mean, a lot of times when we think of these things, we think of like, hey, if I can just get somebody who's like this, who's not like me, but you end up growing a whole lot um, and changing over time. And so that perspective of if I need someone who's not me, okay, there may be aspects of that that are true, but to put everything on that, um, for me was not something that worked because eventually I did become more, you know, I got older and I got wiser and I got more compassionate and more, more loving and more gentle and more laid back. And that wasn't as important. So that kind of decreased. And also I was a kid, so I didn't know what to look for. (laughs) I didn't know myself. Um, so the second time I got married, um, I got married with the, uh, I decided that I didn't want to get married again. After you got divorced? Yeah, after I got divorced. So I was like, I am not getting married again. I don't, I think marriage is a great tax construct. It's a good way to kind of, to, to get people working together in a synchronized way. But I don't, I'm not terribly like, I'm not a huge monogamy fan. I'm not a huge, um, white picket fence person. I don't really believe in, um, um, the, you know, oftentimes I think people cohabitating full time are like two roses, thorned roses that blow up against each other in the wind and they just end up just ripping each other to shreds because they're too close in proximity and there's no breathing gap. I read that on a Hallmark card once, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I have the same scratch and sniff card. <laughs> so, um, uh, so yeah, I mean, yeah, music comes from the pauses in between the notes mm-hmm. and when you're just kind of. Um, in each other's shit constantly. Um, I don't know if you're allowed to cuss on yeah, your podcast. Okay, um, you know you 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 just get sick of each other, you know, and, and everything that you love about the person gets sucked out the window. So that was my perspective going into the second <laughs> That's one. That's dark. So. Yeah, <laughs> and it's it. true. Yeah, it definitely. Can be yeah. Um, you know, everything wears off and then you're, you know, all of a sudden all the excitement, you know, is you're standing in line at Target trying to buy something and you're at home. <laughs> it just keeps there. getting dark. Yeah, it just get, I mean, and it's the truth and it's the stuff nobody ever talks about right. and, you know, portrays sure. in media. Sure, absolutely. So, uh, I felt that way and actually my current wife felt that way too. And so when we met each other and um, started talking about being in a relationship with each other, we were like, here's all the things we really believe and can we can most relationships as you know are just a container of agreements 
So whatever your agreements are and you put in a container, that's the confine, the confines or the structure of, of how you guys are, you have an agreement with each other. And so we decided, well, you know, instead of having one agreement for the rest of our lives, let's renew this agreement constantly and let's revisit it constantly and let's try to structure something that um, is atypical and, um, and, um, and, and try it. And so we did get legally married, but um, we have a vastly different kind of construct um, the second time around. Yeah, and I, I'd be really interested to hear more about that if you're open to, to talking. Um, but the, also the, the first question though before that is, like how how did you sorry is that how do you decide that is that what you're asking yes like like how well yeah the second time around like so you think was it simply that you found someone who was flexible and who had shared seems like very similar value systems when it comes to this stuff um is that simply why the second time around like you like how did you change your mind saying that you know Mm -hmm. i can do this again yeah i think um that's a good question so i think because i had a practice relationship first um and i knew what i wanted and what i didn't want that's part of knowing yourself so i think i knew myself a lot more i don't think i fully knew myself but i feel like you know i was in my late 30s um and i had made a lot of good mistakes and was self-aware enough to go like okay much like anything else i don't know why relationships are so um uh such rarefied error that you have to think of them differently than any like anything else like riding a motorcycle you ride a motorcycle hey i fell a few times and i figured some stuff out and so now i'm a lot better at it because i made a lot of mistakes well that's true in everything um and that's true in relationships so i figured out everything i didn't do very well personally which is the harder part of that thought process um the easier part is to look at outside under the street light and go like oh look at what those that person did i need to make sure to look over there but the harder part is to look inside so i did that and when i met her um i don't know i think it's probably some combination of i knew myself better there was something in her that was very familiar her attributes that was very familiar to aspects of my childhood and who i was that made me feel loving towards her and there was also, um, I think, an openness to where I was at the time, which was I've got to restructure something, you know, dramatically, like you said. So we both had that in common. Um, but I mean, it had the same levels of insanity feeling that a lot of people that fall in love have, too. It wasn't like a logical sit down. It was like an emotional kind of like, oh, my God, what is this? Um, and I mean, we've had to... so. I don't know. It's not. It's not like a super logical thing. It's. It was an emotional thing. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, cool. You, if this is going to work, then we have to do things differently. And she puts up with that in me. <laughs> how, how do you think you were influenced just to have a different model for a marriage? Like, were there books you were reading, or just people you were hanging out with, or like, how did how did that happen? Um, that's a good question. I mean, yeah. Um, I guess I hung out with a lot of. I've always hung out. I'm all, I've always been a bit of a outsider. Um, the nonconformity has been a, a part of my, what I've latched onto identity wise. Um, I found the most success in my life being outside of the herd versus inside the herd. So then of course I populated other, uh, wildebeests <laughs> that were also not wanting to run with a herd. And so I had a lot of people that were like, you know, had, every kind of 
nonconformists. They were had open marriages. They had they they were independent freelancers who worked everywhere. They were people who had never been married and and refused to. They're people who, um, you know, they were entrepreneurs who worked for them. I'm, I can't even think of all the different. You know, they they never sent their kid to school. I mean, there's just a lot of people that that, that I would surround myself with as friends who. Um, made different decisions because I identified with that personally. I found energy and value in in conforming to those nonconformists than I did in conforming to the conformists. So it, partially it was that. Partially it was reading lots of different books that, again, in, informed where I felt like I was headed. Um, you know, you and I met through Chris Ryan, Sex at Dawn. Um, uh, you know, Chris's book has been has was good. Um, but that came later in my life. Um, it was a nice perspective on on um, kind of how we're wired. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I'd read lots of other books too. Um, I'm sure I could think of some. And some of them, frankly, weren't even like relationship books. They were things like about conformity and how the herd brain works and how um, and how people work, um, just generally from an anthropology uh, perspective. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess I came to it because of my own identification with nonconformists and feeling like of the choices of feeling like I'm satisfied and, and in, in upholding the status quo through my actions um, and the choice between that and actually feeling like it's I want to try to listen to what I actually think and what's important to me, I'd rather choose that. And that's how I surrounded myself. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. Um, so, if you would, I'd, I'd be curious to to know more. Like again, we've already talked about this, but like, what what is the Sam Lawrence model of like marriage right now? Like, what are you guys doing? Like, and and the thing you brought up, which which I think is such a really interesting uh, and potentially valuable idea, the idea of checking in every so often and you know perhaps renegotiating that contract or whatever, like. How how are you approaching that? Like, what is what does that look like for you? And again, get as personal yeah. or not as you want. Yeah. So um, there's a number of things that we do in our relationship that are different. One is um, we take extended breaks from each other. Um, so can you tell me, like, last over the past year, you've spent six months apart yeah. or something? Yeah. yeah 2018. That's, that's pretty nonconformist. For yeah. Sure. yeah. Half the year we were actually in the same physical location, and half the year we were not. Um, this year. It'll be maybe three or four months, not six. Um, and we purposely, and we've always, and by the way, we've been together 11 years, um, I think. And um, uh, and we, and from the very beginning, we've, we've done stuff where like she goes and lives on the East Coast and I'll live on the West Coast or I'll live over here and she'll live over there and then we get back together again. So um, my father, who is extremely traditional, um, can't even imagine doing like three or four days away from his wife and I think a lot of people that I talk to kind of raise their eyebrows at that but all of us have experienced that whole and I mean there has to be huge levels of trust yes and all that other stuff that's involved because it's like oh my god what if my person goes off and does something without me or you know is with somebody else or um, a lot of fear that comes up in being apart Um, for us it's not fearful at all it's part of what it's part of what Energize, keeps the energy in the relationship and takes away that whole routineness that I mentioned in the beginning and gives us time to reevaluate what's important to us um, 
and again, even if it's just like a month apart or something or three weeks apart, um, what's, what, what's going on with me right now? And when you have a kid, especially, you're so distracted with everything happening outside of you that you don't have a chance to check in. And so when you do have a chance to check in with yourself and also pursue and pursue, pursue how you want to spend your time, pursue what you want to watch, what you want to consume, read, uh, a lot of those things get taken away in a relationship. So when you get that freedom to do that and then you come back together again and can talk about those things and reset kind of where you are right now on a perpetual basis, it's a exciting uh, you feel first of all like you're not going along with the herd because you realize a lot of people don't do that so that in and of itself is exciting and then you also get a opportunity to um there's a cadence to that to where you get an opportunity to go like yeah you know like right now i i kind of do want more time by myself you know or not i really don't want more time to myself i actually want to spend more time. like where are you in this whole thing and they tell you and um uh, there's downsides to all these things, you know, too. But the upside of it is that you're constantly um, reshaping your relationship and looking at it like a renewal, a constant renewal, or, a, or like a season, you know, like mm-hmm. the way that the seasons change. You're like, okay, this is a one-year thing. Like, that's the way we actually do it is a one-year thing. So it's like this season, where do we want to be? Where do we want to live? What do we want to do? Do we want to keep? Do we want to keep doing the things we're doing? Do we want to keep working on the job we're still working on? Do we? Is this unschooling thing with Gray, our son, that's for, um, you know, working for us, or do we feel like it's not working for us? And you know, you go through all those different things. And how often do you have conversations like that? Are they scheduled, or is it more of like a fluid thing? They're not scheduled. We tried that actually, and then it felt. Uh, like a business meeting Um, I think we try to do it about once a and of course now I'm going to use business language (laughs) yeah once a quarter every three or four months we we have a lightweight version of that and then as part of our New Year's resolution we do a a deeper version of that so um, yeah and I mean oftentimes it's it's topically driven so it's like hey like this year isn't is different than last year because this year we're moving around a whole lot and so we have a lot of different things that are going on in our life and so it's driven by different things but every three or four months we'll sit down over wine and and just be like hey so like what's going on with you and and we know what that we know what the conversation's about it's about understanding the other person which i don't think people do much (laughs) Um, so it's truly about just shutting up and not inserting ourselves as a control mechanism to the other person or trying to shape what the other person is going through in a way that suits what we're more comfortable with, but actually listening to that person and trying to more deeply understand what's going on with them so that you can structure it. And, you know, to your other question, how do you make that decision when you find someone if you're earlier on in this process? I don't know because... Um, I don't think, I think maybe don't labor yourself as much as, as culture wants to labor yourself. You know, I think, I think when you feel like all of your decisions are permanent tattoos in your life and you look at them, like there's only one chapter and that's the chapter that whatever you decide is the thing it, it puts a lot of stress on you and the other person too, if it's a relationship oriented thing. So if you can get into a situation, and only if you can get into a situation with someone where you have the level of communication where you can say, hey, and vulnerability where you can say, hey, you know, here's what I'm scared of. 
um, I'm scared that we're going to make this decision and then we're just and then we're going to sit back and we're going to fall prey to routine relationship life or I'm really scared of monogamy or I'm really scared of what you know raising kids and then you know the stuff that that you've told me about your childhood just comes out of your mouth by accident or whatever I don't know what those things are but if you can actually just have some conversations like that early on and the other person seems um, to lean into those kinds of conversations then then maybe then maybe you and and you can say something like hey we all know that like factually not everybody works out all the time like how are we going to deal with that yeah. um just up front you yeah. know um then then maybe it's you know then maybe you can make a even more informed decision i don't know i don't know there's not a really great answer yeah no but that that's helpful though like and and yeah, I like this idea of having realistic conversations about the institution because it's it's you're right, it's like this blind spot in our society where over half marriages fail. Uh, no one wants to, well, very few people, um, present company excluded, want to explore alternative arrangements or just right. different ways of thinking about it or different ways of conceptualizing it. And, um, and the other thing is that yeah. there's a spectrum. And so that I think often in almost every conversation whatever the topic is people think that there's two choices in those you know monogamy non-monogamy right um uh democrat republican uh pepsi or coke Coke, (laughs) right we're all wired like it's you know this or that and the reality is is that everything is actually a spectrum and what i'm talking about works for me in my life there are plenty of people that I know personally and that I'm friends with who are not who, who find value and energy and comfort and happiness and some levels of the same levels of satisfaction in a, a different part of that spectrum, you know? Yeah. Um, and and I think we need to allow each other answers that say it's not one or the other. It's somewhere on a on a on a range along a lot of different um, I don't top you know topics where we feel we're all kind of slightly this way or that way on things. Yeah, and and I think where these conversations often break down is when someone's trying to prescribe like a this is what humanity is, you know, like right. we're all non-monogamous or right. we're naturally monogamous or right. you know. And so for for example, for me right now, I'm really excited and intrigued by the idea of monogamy as a spiritual, as a tool for spiritual growth and as a spiritual challenge in a certain sense, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm actually, I'm really excited and, and inspired by that. Um, what is your take on that for, for you? For monogamy? Yeah. Um, you know, for me, um, I've often thought of myself as a non-monogamist and then I look at what my actions are and they're completely monogamist. Right. Um, <laughs> probably back to that whole, I don't want to feel trapped thing. Mm-hmm. But what you said, I think is is a is a nice way of thinking about it which is whatever um i guess through my own experience and i have experience in both of those kind of situations non-monogamist monogamy whatever both uh, and a spectrum in between it and i think it is about where you're putting attention and why you know why is the question that i think a lot of people don't ask why do you want whatever it is that you want Mm. and is it because you you know because you you're scared and you want options is it is it because you're you're scared and you don't want somebody something else to come in and ruin what you have um is it 
because is it because you're not sure it's just what everyone else is saying is right is it straight up insecurity is it straight up insecurity yeah. it, you know um and for me i'm not insecure at all um when it i am insecure about certain things absolutely but when it comes to like relationships monogamy non-monogamy like i have absolutely no insecurity and i don't feel um uh i don't feel like that the, I don't know. Like I, I would have no problem if my wife wanted to have some relationship with somebody and she felt like she really wanted that, or if I wanted that or whatever, like I'd have no problem with that personally. It's not what we actually choose. Um, cause we know we have lots of flexibility in our life, but that's, we just choose to be with each other. Um, so I guess my answer to that is, is that I'm spiritually open and in practice I'm, I'm monogamous. Um, uh, in practice. Um, so I don't know. And I mean, I know that like back to the range thing, I know some of my friends that are like, they just absolutely would never, ever, ever. They are, they, they practice heavily practice non-monogamy, you know? Heavy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in fact, when they meet other people, one of the first things out of their mouth is just so you know, right. X, you know, like I'm down. I'm, yeah. Just so you know, I'm down or just so you know, if we're going to be in a relationship, there's going to be lots of other people in this relationship. Um, and there's other people I know who, um, then I get something else I read in a Hallmark card once, <laughs> just so you know, we have lots of other people. <laughs> lots of cards. Yeah. <laughs> Hallmark loves that. Yeah. So, so I mean, I, I don't know, I guess, um, my feelings are people should, it's, it's, it should be a human right that people, um, it should not be a a culturally, um, imposed structure to love. And, and a lot of times we've gotten caught up in, you know, oh, you know, the whole like, um, LGBT movement in the beginning was not about marriage. It turned into something about marriage because that's what was palatable to, to everyone. It's like, okay, and you're going to follow the same structure as us, but it was really about, um, a completely different thing, which is respecting the way that they want to love and who they are as people and giving them, um, um, and understanding them in their lives and not judging, you know, who they were. And, and, um, and I think that that should be true, not just for LGBT community, but I think that should be true for any kind of love, um, and any kind of choices that people make that are about their own happiness. So I think that, um, we should stop. And I think I don't know. I always hear this, although I don't see it. I hear that younger generations have less hang up about how open the relationship is or how close the relationship is or what, how, where their sexual, sexual orientation is on that spectrum or their gender um, identity on that spectrum. I don't see it as much when I move around the world, but I, at least in, in the States, it's a conversation that happens. I hope that it blooms into something, um, um, as quickly as kind of people stopped smoking. <laughs> I hope that it moves as quickly into cultures as that, cause that'd be amazing. Um, and that people let go a little bit around controlling what love looks like. Yeah. That's an interesting, you bring up the smoking thing. Cause I remember even in the span of my lifetime, smoking went from being completely normal, acceptable, ubiquitous everywhere to now it's very like, at least in the West, it's different over here in Asia, obviously, but in the West, it's completely different. Gay marriage, same thing. How quickly did that happen? You know, like in the span of like, what, 10 years, public opinion just completely shifted on a pretty important, you know, issue that a lot of people have feelings about. You know, it's really interesting. Once it found packaging in, in marriage, I think it, it, it gained traction quickly. Yeah. Um, 
but I don't think that's what they were. I don't think the LGBT community was actually advocating for 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 traditional marriage in the beginning of that movement. And also, I think it takes a long time to, for movements to to build and grow, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's kind of like pot legalization. If you look at it, yeah. time scale, that's another good example. Yeah, yeah. It's so quick. Yeah, and it's been a but but it's been a discussion for since I mean when I was a kid in the seventies. It, it, it was they were talking about legalization back then. Yeah, that's surprising. Wow. Yeah, and and so I think it it just takes time. Anyway, I hope that since things like this have been talked about for so long, that at some point, uh, that it's let go. Although you have to look at things that are institutionalized, have a lot of money around them, and have you know. Um, and so a lot of control and money around them. And so the, what's, what's the motivation for unpacking institutionalized things? Not a lot for the people that, that, ha- that are profiting off of them. And love is another institutionalized thing. And there's a lot of money um, uh, and control governmentally um, and in the private sector around love. So <clears throat> I don't know how uh, friendly... Um, that movement will be for you know how friendly the people that have control over it right now will be for a movement like that happening but if enough people get behind it then you can kind of unhinge it just like the taxi system and uber (laughs) yeah exactly yeah um you brought up something at lunch the other day that intrigued me well you you know that jealousy is a big interest of mine and so when you're talking about this this you know um I don't know if unordinary is the right word, but non-traditional arrangement you have in your, your relationship. Like, does jealousy come up for you? How do you, how do you deal with that? Like, what is, and is that part of, like you mentioned, there is a downside to this arrangement. Like, I'd like to dig into that a little bit more. And particularly if you experience jealousy and how you deal with that. Because I imagine on some level, sometimes, mm-hmm. when your beautiful wife is out traversing the planet, mm-hmm. you know, there must be something that comes up where it's, you know. Yeah, I get jealous all the time. It's not about sex. It's yeah. about um, it's about time and attention. Mm. Um, so <clears throat> when when my wife is putting a lot of um, enthusiastic energy around things that don't include me, sometimes I do feel like um, I would say I don't know if I'd say jealousy, but I would say I, I can feel myself not not I can feel myself respond mm-hmm. to that. Um, and I'm so used to flexing the muscle around this that what I'll do is I'll go like, I'll feel the response. I'll go like, Oh, that's funny. That's a response. And I'm, I've spent so much time thinking about this that I recognize what the response is, which is I'm not in control or, or I feel excluded. Um, and which is another control thing because I want to feel included. So I, I want that not to happen or I want something uh, and so I generally will quickly let it go. Um, sometimes I we can't. Sometimes she'll get upset about something, or I'll get upset about something. And um, and and there'll be other layers to it too. Like, oops, I didn't you know communicate something or tell you that, that this or that or whatever. And um, and so absolutely, there's times where like I, I guess jealousy in its strict definition, um, comes into to play. But much like anything you get good at, I mean, like, you, it just, it, it, as long as you're communicating and you don't let the knot, when it's loose, get unt- if you don't untie it quickly and you kind of let that knot 
go separate directions over time, it gets tighter and tighter and then it gets a lot harder to undo. Mm-hmm. So you just have to kind of get good at like, Hey, you know, I, I just want to say, because, because we have this relation, we have this agreement. I just want to say like, I felt this thing and this is what happened with me. And then I went through it and then here's what, and the other person's like, Oh, that's, that makes a whole lot of sense. You know, um, I'm sorry if I had something to do with that or, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then it, it goes away, but it's not like a, I would say that the jealousy that we have really is more about like, like for example, next month I'm going to be going to Japan and April and gray are going to the United States and they're going for, I don't know, like a month or maybe even longer. And because I don't know how long it is and because we're going separate ways and right now I don't want to be going separate ways, I can feel myself responding to that and wanting to control the situation and getting a little bit kind of, I guess, jealous. That's the kind of jealousy that I would kind of go through. And so then, you know, I bring it up to April and I'll be like, hey, you know, you know, I'm feeling like this about this right now. And, and sometimes there's a different outcome and sometimes there's not. Um, but that's the kind of jealousy that we go through, sure. <laughs> which is different. have it my friends i hope you enjoyed my conversation with sam i hope you found him as interesting as i do and a reminder that i'll be sharing part two of this conversation on the podcast next week so be sure to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already and once again while you're at it why not leave a rating and a review i read each and every single one of those and they always put a smile on my face so if you dig humans in love please be sure to leave a rating and review on itunes or your podcast app of choice That's all I've got for you this week. I am getting ready to get on a plane back to Canada for a month. It is a hell of a long flight. I'm making sure to stock up on a lot of reading and podcasts, and I'm excited to go back to Canada. It's been a while, and I think the time is right. And uh, yeah, I'm sure I'll have some kind of report or update from my time back in Canada. So if you haven't already, please subscribe to my newsletter. You can find it at humansinlove.com, where I'll tell you all about me and my travels and everything that's going on in my life. Thanks for listening, my friends. And once again, I apologize for the delay. I appreciate your patience with me. And once again, I'll remind you that life is short, far too short to worry too much about the decisions you make that are right for your life. Thanks again, folks. I will talk to you next week.